It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. When you hear scratching, you know that he may be lurking under your bed, waiting to attack you in your sleep. He may just play a joke or harass you until dawn, but if he climbs up, it is your neck he will choke. He is as old as mankind. Long before he came into our cities, he waited in dark forests and deep rivers for the lost and the weak. Cursed by the Great Father, he is as hateful as he is foul. He is the one that feeds on children and those left alone. The Tokoloshi, 2018. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This week we are discussing the Tokoloshi, a devious creature from South African folklore that torments its victims while they sleep. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Zuri stepped out onto the sidewalk in front of Durban Academy High School, reluctantly leaving the shelter of the family car. Her stomach felt full of butterflies with thoughts of what may lay ahead of her. She had lived in Montague since her birth a beautiful town surrounded by the Langberg Mountains, robust in orchards. It was a peaceful, slower-paced life than what she now faced in Durban. Durban was an oceanside city, one of the largest in South Africa. The number of people was overwhelming, with its population being close to four million. Sadly, she had to say goodbye to her home and her childhood friends a month ago, when her father took ill. The doctors in Montague had been unable to determine what had plagued her father, 
they could only trace the illness back to a mysterious bite on his ankle that had become infected. The bite seemed to heal, but over time her father weakened, fighting feverish nights and a weakness that some days prevented him from being able to stand without help. Her mother, now eight months pregnant, had wanted to move close to the research facilities that would work to find a cure for her father's illness before he worsened and before the baby was born. The added benefit was that Durban was where her mother's family lived, so they would have help when needed. The move had been quick and poorly planned. Taking only their clothing and a few other necessary items, they left their home in Montague, and in less than a week, were living with her grandmother in Durban. The house wasn't so bad. It was small but comfortable. But Zuri no longer had her own room, and at 16, this was something she had taken for granted until now. Sharing a room with her parents was hard. She slept on a mattress in the corner of their room. She had to curl up at night to keep her feet from hanging off into the floor. It wouldn't have been so bad, but she was sure that her grandmother had rats. She had felt something scurry over her in the middle of the night on several occasions. All of those thoughts were pushed to the back of her mind now, as she began her first day at her new school. Making her way towards the office where she had registered just a week earlier, she passed dozens of students dressed in uniforms very similar to the one that she wore. They all seemed engrossed in their own worlds, and only a few sent curious glances her way. The office was packed with students late picking up their class schedules, and Zuri assumed she would probably miss her first class until a tiny girl with a long black braid called her out. Hey, you must be new. If you will come to the end of the counter, I can help you, she said with a smile. Zuri stepped around the throng of teenagers and made her way to the spot the girl had mentioned and found her already waiting there. Hi. I'm Nadia. I work in the office before school and during first hour. These other kids will be here for a while, but if you're already registered, I can find your schedule and then I can show you where your classrooms are located. Zuri smiled back, relieved to see a friendly face on her first day in this strange monstrosity of a school. Thank you. I registered last week, but they were short-staffed and told me I would have to pick up my schedule today. My name is Zuri Pillay, with two L's. Nadia began scrolling down a list on a computer that was perched on the counter in front of her. Here it is. Hey, we are both sophomores. She excitedly informed Zuri as she hit the print icon. After turning to retrieve the schedule from the printer, Nadia scanned the schedule and turned back seemingly giddy with excitement. We have most of the same classes, too. Let me tell the secretary I'm leaving and I will show you around. Nadia disappeared around the corner, but returned moments later and grabbed a backpack from somewhere under the counter. Okay, let's go. I need my pack in case we don't get back in time for the next class. Leaving the office, they headed down a long hallway. Nadia was practically skipping. She was very bubbly and explained to Zuri right away why she was so excited. I have only gone to this school for two years and I only had one friend, but she moved away over the summer. Maybe you and I will become friends, 
maybe even best friends, who knows, she said with a laugh. Nadia was very bouncy and talked a lot, but Zuri liked her. Some of her anxiety had begun to fade as she followed Nadia through the halls and listened to her chatter on. So, what made you move to Durban? She finally asked Zuri. Zuri had dreaded this part because it always brought with it questions about her father that she could not answer. So, she explained to Nadia as briefly as she could why they had moved. To her surprise, her new friend listened quietly and only responded with her sympathies for her father, but quickly added, But, I am glad you are here. Zuri's first day had been surprisingly nice. She had made a friend who shared all but one class with her. They had eaten lunch together and talked about as many things as they could fit into their 45-minute break. After school, Nadia told Zuri, Goodbye until tomorrow, and jumped on the bus that would take her home. Only a few blocks from her home, Zuri had to walk. She was thankful for her walk because it gave her time to replay her day before her mom could interrogate her about it. Shocked by the silence as she entered her grandmother's house, she yelled out for her mom and grandmother. There was no answer. She checked each room and was beginning to worry until she found a note on the kitchen table that read, Taking your father to urgent care. Don't worry. There are snacks in the cabinet. Mama. Zuri was all alone until well after dark, which made her worry about her father. What could be wrong for them to be gone so long? She no longer had a cell phone. It was an expense that had been cut after her father's doctor bills began to mount. Deciding that the best way to pass time would be to get her homework done, Zuri took her books from her pack and placed them on the kitchen table. The house was eerily quiet. She could hear every creak and pop from the walls to the tin roof. It felt as if the house was alive and the walls were closing in. Laying her book down, Zuri walked into the living room and turned on the TV to keep her company. Her grandmother only got local channels, so her only option was the evening news, but it was better than the creepy silence. Settling back down at the table, she began to read the chapter in her biology book that her teacher had assigned her. Chapter 1, Properties of Life, The Complexity, Movement, and Response to Stimulation, the title read. She was about to start the chapter summary quiz when a thud from the other side of the house made her jump. At first, she thought it was the TV but it had come from the direction of the bedroom. Zuri wouldn't normally scare easily, but being alone in her grandmother's home was disconcerting. Sliding her chair back, she tiptoed out of the kitchen to investigate, grabbing a knife off its stand before rounding the corner. Quietly slipping down the hallway, she slowly opened her grandmother's bedroom door, turned on the light, and looked in. Nothing seemed to be out of place. After switching the light off, she turned quietly and headed to the room she shared with her parents. The door was ajar, so Zuri slipped her hand in and turned the lights on before opening the door. At first, everything appeared normal, 
But then something caught her eye on the floor at the edge of the bed. Edging closer, she was relieved to see that her mother's change jar had fallen and shattered into pieces, leaving glass and coins strewn all over the floor. But Zuri paused. How did it get here when her mother kept it in the closet? Her mother must have left it on the bed. Shrugging to herself, she stood and went to grab a trash can out of the bathroom and a jar from the kitchen. Returning to the bedroom, Zuri began to pick the change out of the glass and put it in the new jar. When she caught movement out of the corner of her eye, she jumped and brought her palm down hard on a jagged piece of glass. The pain distracted her for a moment, but while she was trying to pull the piece of glass loose from her bloody hand, she heard a chickering sound coming from the corner of the room by her mattress. Putting a firm grip around the wrist of her bleeding hand, Zuri began to slowly back into the bathroom watching the corner for movement. Eyes fixed and hand throbbing, she let out an ear-splitting scream when someone grabbed her from behind. Zuri turned on her heel, ready for a fight, but almost passed out with relief when she looked into the eyes of her mother. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Attention all mystery lovers. Dive into the captivating world of June's Journey, the hidden object game that will awaken your inner detective. Join June Parker on her quest to uncover the shocking truth behind her sister's murder in the glamorous 1920s. I'm a couple of chapters in, and I love unlocking new pieces to the mystery after each hidden item search. The beautifully detailed scenes, from New York's finest parlors to the charming sidewalks of Paris, make the experience truly immersive. As you progress, you'll also get to build and customize your very own island estate, complete with stunning gardens and luxurious buildings. Gather compelling evidence, decipher cleverly hidden clues, and unravel the dark secrets of the Parker family. Each twist and turn will keep you on the edge of your seat, eager to crack the case. Cooperate or compete against other players in the detective club, and you'll even get a chance to play in a detective league to test your skills. Are you ready to jump back in time, detectives? Download June's Journey for free today in iOS and Android. Today we visit South Africa to discuss the frightening creature the Tokoloshi. A small yet terrifying creature that drastically disrupts your ability to have a good night's sleep in more ways than one. Tokoloshis are creatures from Zulu mythology that inhabit South Africa. These creatures attack you in your sleep and are said to be a part of the reason why many people in the Zulu culture used to sleep with their beds raised off the floor. You may have heard them called Tokaloshi, Takalachi, or Healy, or even referred to as a dwarf-like water sprite because of their mischievousness and ability to become invisible by drinking water or swallowing a stone. The Tokaloshi is dwarf-like, shriveled, and hairy human-like figure. It may also resemble a zombie, poltergeist, or gremlin with gouged out eyes, and often has a hole in its forehead. 
It is said to be fast and somewhat ghost-like, and supposedly loves curdled milk. These creatures are malevolent and dangerous. They are said to crawl into sleeping people's rooms and cause all kinds of havoc. From simply scaring them all the way to choking them to death with their long, bony fingers. Some people believe that it may even drink your blood. It seems to especially enjoy scaring children, often leaving them with long scratches on their bodies. This devious South African creature is claimed to be responsible for everything from theft to divorce, and sometimes even death. Most people have never claimed to see a Tokoloshi, but if something goes wrong, or strange things are happening in homes in South Africa, you can bet that the Tokoloshi is believed to be responsible. Tokoloshis are creatures called upon by those with magical abilities, like witches or shamans to wreak havoc and pain in a community. One of the ways the witches can keep them docile is to cut their hair out of their eyes so they can see and feed it curdled milk. If a tokoloshi continues to terrorize a household or a community, a sangoma or a Zulu witch doctor is summoned to exercise the area and or the home with the use of a mutai, a kind of traditional magic practiced by the sangoma. But why was the Tokoloshi such a prominent and terrifying creature? And why did it only attack the sleeping? Well, there might be a very real terrifying reason for the creation of this creature. Let's go back to the sleeping arrangements. As previously mentioned, raised beds are an important way to combat the Tokoloshi. Traditionally, Many South Africans being loaded with Tokoloshi myths slept on grass mats encircling a warm wood fire. That would keep them warm during the bitter winter nights. However, sometimes healthy people would inexplicably be found dead come morning. Why? Well, the Tokoloshi, of course. But there is a theory that sleeping close to the fire in their homes may have depleted the oxygen levels and filled their home with carbon dioxide. As it is heavier than pure air, it would sink to the bottom of the home where people slept. Thus, seemingly healthy people and sometimes entire families would be found dead. A parallel was found between elevated sleepers and a lack of death. So the Tokoloshi was told as a story forewarning those who slept close to the ground and the fire. While it might not be an actual malevolent creature, what kept away a Tokoloshi would also keep away death from carbon monoxide. According to legend, the only way to truly destroy a Tokoloshi is to find and destroy the mutai or poison left by the Sangoma which gives the Tokoloshi its power. Mutai is a catch-all term for traditional African medicine, but the mutai supposedly used in the creation of the Tokoloshi involves a selection of oils, herbal balms, and the body parts of various animals. This mixture is buried close to the house of the person the Sangoma wishes the Tokoloshi to attack. It is much easier to take measurements to prevent the Tokoloshi from entering your house. According to beliefs, scattering special blessed salt around door frames and window sills will discourage it from crossing. But the most famous way to ward one off is, again, 
the bricks under the legs of one's bed. However, this will only protect the person using the bed and may cause the creature to wreak havoc on those around that it can get to. Palami S. Lenga tells in an interview with City Press how he has been fascinated by the myth of the Tokoloshi since he was a kid. He says he first heard of this creature when he noticed a relative had placed their bed on bricks, two under each leg, and asked for the reason. Lenga states that he has never seen one, but they are very much a part of their lives in South Africa. He tells of how he decided to investigate the creature by questioning locals. His first stop, instead of a Sangoma or Shaman, was the ladies who wait for the Fafi man on the corner of the street. Fafi is a numbers game of luck where you can win small amounts of money, he explains. Fafi was brought to South Africa by the Chinese and people's choice of numbers depends on what they dreamt the night before. A cow could indicate the number seven and a chicken could mean play double. It varies from what I can tell, Langa says. He was especially interested in one dream that was heavily talked about on the corner one day. One of the ladies dreamt she had romantic relations with a handsome man. It was so real and was such a pleasant experience, she said. Langa says she blushes as the group is sent into an uproar, and at least six of the women present are adamant that this is the work of a tokoloshi. This particular lady has been on a roll at Fafi of late, and she says she's been making more money than she usually does. Her friends immediately say that jealous people want to derail her good fortunes, and that this handsome guy is how they will do it. Langa says that he shudders as one of the ladies suggests, it will come for you every night until you can't have children anymore. About the things he heard from the women Langa had this to say, I've never heard a nice thing about a tokoloshi in all my life. I've heard that they're short and hairy. Some even have a bit of sweet tooth. It's all rather puzzling as I've also been told that the creatures are tall and have a lust for the taste of blood. A common thread seems to be their appetite for intimate physical relations with women. So how exactly would one get rid of a tokoloshi? Lenga talked to a Sangoma that the Daily Sun uses for expert advice to aid in coverage of this supernatural creature. Joseph Simbini has been a practicing Sangoma for 10 years and claims to have seen it all. This is what Simbini said in his interview with Langa. This thing is very real, man, he chuckles. I didn't think so, but I have encountered Tokoloshis many times. The Sangoma explains just what happens when you're dealing with this. It's a creature that can easily be seen with the human eye. It enters your life by taking the form of something familiar. Many times when people come to me, they speak of dreams that involve them having relations with an unknown Caucasian man or woman. Rest easy though, he assures Lenga that these beings can come for Caucasians too. This is what the lady said happened to her, Simbini says. These creatures are brought to our plane of reality through witchcraft and powerful Muay Thai. 
They are sent by those who are envious and seek to see those around them fall on hard times. It can be sent from one province to another or just next door. When it comes and is left untreated, businesses, marriages, and even life can come to an end. Sambini is dead serious the entire time he explains this to Langa. He says the mood of their conversation gets more bone-chilling as Sambini recounts what he's seen before. I've seen cases where the Tokoloshi is in complete control of a person. It inhabits and controls them. People black out and wake up naked in the middle of a field when the Tokoloshi decides to take a rest. They have no idea how they got there or what they had been doing, in some cases for days prior. He urges you to reach out as soon as you can if things start going a little pear-shaped for you and your dreams become twisted. You'll know when a Tokoloshi is looking to get you. You'll need to seek the help of a Sangoma quickly. There are a few options you have. The Sangoma can speak with your ancestors and ask them to protect you. This would be done in a session where you must pay and burn incense. I know certain people use the blood of black chicken to cleanse a person's body, Simbini says. I don't use a black one and I never kill the chicken. I take just enough blood to place on my client's face and body. I then set that chicken free. Langa asks about the bricks and he says, it does work, which is why so many people do it. The scary thing is that a tokoloshi can be amped up or made to work harder to get inside a person. The thing at the core of it all is jealousy. Sambini says the strongest way to combat this would be to keep positive people around you who will build you up. Traditional magic and superstition have always constituted an important part of South African folklore and culture, in which the tokoloshi appears frequently. Many people in Africa are still reluctant to discuss the tokoloshi, as they believe that even using its name will call him to you and cause you trouble. The tokoloshi have popped up in media from songs to books and even films, the latest being the tokoloshi straight from the debuting South African filmmakers Jerome Pikwani and Richard Konsman. Both men wrote the script while Pikwani handled the direction. A film released back in 2018, it made its debut in the U.S. on digital platforms and DVD on Tuesday, December 3, 2019. It tells the story of Boosie, a destitute woman working as a cleaner at a Johannesburg hospital. She must put up with a corrupt manager just so she can someday get her younger sister away from their abusive father. While working there, she comes across a young girl called Gracie, who believes she is being tormented by a supernatural being, a tokoloshi. However, to save her from this ruthless monster, Boosie will have to face up to her own inner demons. The film is a mix of English and Zulu, so be prepared for subtitles and for some typical jump scares, especially in the early parts where things swish past the camera quickly and shift or disappear between jump cuts. Boosie works on the night shift also, so there are a lot of dark corridors to wind through. They are effective enough and the scenes show a good handling of light and dark, though they are not exactly unique. 
It is dangerous to talk about the Tokoloshi, as many were warned by their mothers when they were young. Its evil lurks in dark shadows and disappears in tall grass. It snatches and toils on women while men work in the fields. You can sense him everywhere. He could even be here now. To speak his name out loud is to invite danger into your life. Raise your beds on bricks or his clamping hands will reach you. Be careful. His bare hands can kill. Forget his name because to know it will curse you. Credit Takalasi at youtube.com Zuri's mother pulled her into the bedroom. What did you do? She asked harshly. Aren't you old enough to not get into things while I'm gone? I have enough worries as it is. But I didn't. Zuri began to argue but then decided to let it be. Her mother had enough to deal with. How is dad? Why did he have to go to urgent care? She asked her mother. He is fine now, her mother began with a sigh. He woke up this morning with scratches and bites all over his legs. The doctor said he is probably doing it to himself during bouts of delirium. Your father told the doctor that a little demon was trying to eat him, so they assumed he wasn't thinking straight. Zuri suddenly remembered the noises in the bedroom. Mama, that reminds me. Before you got here, I heard something in the room. It might be a rat. I think that is what broke the jar and maybe what was biting father. Her mom gave her arm a hard yank. Stop that nonsense. Don't let your father hear you. It will just feed his imagination. Do you think a rat followed us here all the way from Montague? Her mother sighed. I'm sorry. I know this is hard on you, too. She then reached out and pulled Zuri into her arms for a hug, bumping her against her large stomach. Zuri laughed when the baby protested with a kick so hard that she could feel it. You should rest, Mama. I will finish cleaning up the mess. I will be more careful, I promise. Later that evening, as Zuri was trying to go to sleep, she heard her mother in the kitchen crying. She couldn't make out her words over her father snoring from his bed, so she crawled out of her bed and snuck down the hallway. Hiding in the shadows, she listened to her mother tell her grandmother the last part of a strange story. It must have followed us here. I, I thought that if we left, that it could not find us. He must have angered someone for this curse to be put upon him. We must stop it before it kills him. It will take a shaman. That is the only way to get rid of a tokoloshi. I heard my grandmother tell her in a raspy voice. Zuri heard a floorboard creak beneath her feet, and the two women started talking in more hushed tones. She wondered what they were talking about. She had heard of the tokoloshi, but she always thought it was a kid's tale. She remembered the sound she had heard in the bedroom earlier and was suddenly nervous about going back to bed. 
Looking for an excuse, she sauntered into the kitchen to get a glass of water, getting the expected reaction from her mother. After getting shooed back to her bed, she hesitantly made her way back down the short hall. Her dad was still snoring, but other than that, the bedroom was silent. Zuri expected to lay awake all night watching for little hairy men, but fell asleep shortly after her head hit the pillow. The next day during lunch, she told Nadia about the strange conversation she had overheard. Nadia gave her undivided attention, clearly intrigued by the story. You know, Nadia said when Zuri was finished talking, I live next door to a shaman. She has gone to many homes to help chase away the Tokoloshi. She has told me lots of stories about them, and I'm not trying to scare you, but if you don't get rid of it, eventually it will get bored with torturing your dad and do something worse. Nadia, already scared, suddenly felt sick. What do you mean by something worse? Well, he will eventually try to take your dad's life. Or, he may go after someone else in the family. It is invisible until you become its victim. If he has targeted you, you will know for sure when you see him. Nadia scribbled an address down on a piece of paper and handed it to Zuri. This is the shaman's address. We call her Sangoma. You will need to offer her something in return for helping. After school, Zuri headed home and gave the piece of paper to her mother right away. Her grandmother approved, saying that she knew of the woman and that her reputation was good. Zuri was left alone again to keep an eye on her father while her mother and grandmother went out to seek Sangoma's help. Nervous about being left alone but determined to protect her father from further harm, she grabbed a book and read while laying on her mattress. She had left every light in the house on because she was scared and hoped that the lights would keep the creature away. The book was a good distraction and Zuri got lost in the story until the lights flickered and went out. Holding her breath, she waited, hoping that the power would come back on. After several minutes with no sign of the power returning, Zuri realized she would have to find some candles but was afraid to leave her dad alone in the dark. He was sleeping quietly, and she could hear his heavy breathing from across the room. So summoning up every ounce of courage she had, she stood and prepared herself to leave the room. Zuri took two steps, but froze when she heard something scurry across the floor. She was now fighting the urge to run. As she tried to take another step, she tripped when her leg was stopped by what felt like tiny claws digging into her ankles. She landed on the floor so hard that the book she was still holding flew across the room. The breath knocked out of her, Zuri struggled to breathe. Finally, she inhaled deeply, but just as she did, she saw it. A short, hairy creature about the size of a cat climbed onto her chest. Zuri was rigid with fear as she stared into the empty sockets where eyes should have been. She tried to move, but the terror she felt was paralyzing. 
she suddenly felt her heart beating against her chest and found movement had begun to return to her limbs. But it was too late. The horrible creature had wrapped its hands around her neck, sinking its sharp claws deep, deep, deep into her skin. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Unexplained Encounters and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we talk about the Ape Canyon incident when five gold miners lived through a night of horror while being terrorized by hairy, ape-like creatures. Until next time, stay safe out there because this world is a strange one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.